Hello, friends. Welcome to Clark Talks, the Colombian's podcast where we bring you the stories and views behind the news. If you don't know me by now, I'm Damian Pizzanti. And I'm Katie Gillespie. You guys can't see us, but we're both kind of bundled up right now. The room we're in is always cold when we do our recording. but It's always cold. Always. But man, and it is cold outside. It is almost as cold in here as it is the outdoors right now yeah probably we had when we had uh who was it last week christian from uh from hud or hub brewing he came yeah. in in like a t-shirt and he was like ready to talk to us about beer and then within about two minutes after taking his shirt off you could just see the regret on his face real hard <laughs> and the goosebumps, on and his the goosebumps just <laughs> <laughs> so how fitting we're sitting in a freezing room because we're going to talk to you guys about weather and how to go outside and still have fun when it might be a little bit rainy, or might be a little bit ugly, right? Katie, you like to hike and go walk around and stuff in the woods, yeah? I, I do, but see, I mostly like being inside and not out when it's crappy outside. I'm one of those. Yeah. I'm one of those who retreats in, indoors and curls up with hot chocolate. And Well, I think that is a ton of people. I mean, it's... It's very easy to be like, what, a fair weather outdoorsman to go outside with a water bottle and your shorts on when it's all like sunny and warm out. Yeah, I think that's the literal translation of fair weather. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that is. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I am convinced that uh, you can still get outside and have a lot of fun when the weather's like this. Because even though we live in the Pacific Northwest, we all get really tired of the rain and we get tired of like the early darkness. I know you guys get bored sitting on your couch. I know you get tired of watching Netflix over and over again. There's so many episodes of Bob's Burgers to get caught up on, Damien. So many. There are so (laughs) many episodes of Bob's Burgers. (laughs) But in between those, you can go outside and have fun. So today, we're going to talk to a couple people that are going to tell you how to do that. And just to give you like an idea on what you might need to wear, what kind of things you can do, and the different places that are really close to us that you can go to have a wide variety of fun. Yeah, because there are there's still hiking available around here. There's cycling, mm-hmm. mountain biking, mm-hmm. snowshoeing, skiing. Yeah. You were telling me, so we had a little bit of snow last week. Uh, we have a little bit of snow in the forecast this week. By the time you guys are listening to this, there may already be some snow on the ground. But, mm-hmm. Damien, you're kind of the weather guy here. I uh, am. We don't have, newspapers don't have, you know, the, the, on your Doppler radar at four o'clock, we don't have a weather, no, we don't have, we a, don't have a meteorologist We don't have a meteorologist, no. so, but we do have Damien, who yes. reads what meteorologists say, and yes. tell him, and yes. gives it to you, so, mm-hmm. and you were uh, sharing with me some kind of interesting numbers about our rain recently, right? Yeah, totally. So, I think anybody listening to this, or anybody that's been here for a hot minute knows that 2015 was a very dry year. And, you know, there was talk of drought and everybody was worrying about how low the rivers were going to go. And so I went online and got some climate data. And in 2015, Clark County had 61.8 inches of rain, which was 79% of normal. Okay. So that's dry. Yeah, I mean, that's that pretty dry. That is not a lot at all. Right. In fact, yeah, that was we were all like kind of panicking at that point. I was panicking. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it wasn't just here. It was like the whole Pacific Northwest was facing this. Because I lived in Shasta County for a year out of college. So anytime I see anytime I see anything that looks like a drought, I'm like, what's happening? (laughs) (laughs) The fires are coming. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you live in a forested area, that is a very big concern. But um, anyway, 
So this year, oh, and I should clarify by saying that was January to November of 2015. We had 61.8 inches of rain. And the reason why it's January to November is because I wanted to compare all the data we had for this year. And so far, we only have January to November because December's not over yet, right? right? So this year, from January to November, there has been 98.64 inches of rain. Wow. And, yeah. and what's normal again? What's average? Well, that is 126% of the normal. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so kind of the exact opposite of making up for last year's yeah. 21% shy. Exactly. So for the year, our like normal, normal, normal is like, I think it's like right around 78 or 80 inches of rain we expect for our area. Gotcha. So the fact we got 98, I mean, that is what, 37 inches of rain more that we got this year than we got in 2015. Yeah. Dude, that is crazy. Um, And that, so that doesn't include the, the snow and the precipitation. No, that, that includes, that includes snow. Right, but that doesn't include oh, this, this month, month because you said that's just January. No, it totally doesn't include this month. And <laughs> but I assume that that means that there's more snow in the mountains then at higher elevations to go and play in. Yeah, totally. And that it's so good you brought that up because yeah, this is so far it's turning out to be a just fantastic year for snowpack. And if you want to go try cross country skiing or go sledding or downhill skiing, or you just want to go romp around in the woods, man, you can get out there so much earlier this year than you could the year before. Cool. Good yeah. deal. Yeah. So we are sitting now with Al Thomas, who is one of the uh, sort of old bones around the newsroom. He's been here. He was telling us more than 40 years, right? Yeah. And I'm sure he's going to love being referred to as one of the old bones. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're kind of a weird newsroom. We've got people that have been here forever. Uh-huh. And then we've got people who've been here for a hot minute. Yeah. And there's this, there's kind of an in-between. Totally. we got some middle management that's been here like 15, 20 years. Yeah. But in terms of pe- people who are right. I think the unfortunate reality, though, is we have very few. I mean, aside from Al and Tom and maybe Tom Boat, yeah, yeah, and maybe Scott, I don't think we have many people here that have been here more than 10 years. No. As far as reporters go. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. Sad deal. Because we're young and we'll work for cheap. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Hashtag journalism. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So we sit down with Al and we're going to talk to him about uh, about how to play outside. And then we visit with the owner of Camus Bike and Sport, a locally owned uh, bike shop uh, Mm -hmm. to talk about how you can get outside on your bike and a little bit of snowshoeing. So, yeah. So stay tuned, guys. It's going to be good. Today's podcast is brought to you with support from the Colombian Subscription Department. Just in time for the holidays, take advantage of big savings on a gift they'll open again and again. For only $20 a month, you can give the gift of local news delivered every day. Call today to take advantage of this great offer. Request the podcast special by calling 360-694-2312. This offer is only available for customers that have not had service in the last 30 days. Al Thomas, the Colombian's outdoors reporter. You're outdoors, right? That your official title? You know, at one time they called me outdoor editor, but now I think they've downgraded me to outdoor writer again. Oh, really? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, outdoor writer, outdoors guy. There we go. We'll settle on that. And so I'm going to ask you straight out: Should people be discouraged by a little rain when it comes to going outside? Oh, heavens no. No, I mean because <clears throat> one of the things you'll find around here is it may be raining at your house, but I live in Hawkinson and I run along Lackamas Lake a lot. Mm-hmm. And how many times it's raining when I leave home and drive six or seven miles and it's dry. 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, our weather is so, what's happening at your house is no, you know, you just, you just, you can't, you can't gauge that. One of the nice things we have too, is if you're going to go up in the Columbia Gorge, there are so many webcams up there that mm-hmm. you can know in real time, you know, whether the wind's blowing or what's going on. I had no idea. Uh, if you could tell these guys about what you've, uh, what you do for the paper, because you've been here, you were just telling me something like 43 years or something like that. Yeah, I've been here since September of 1974. I've been a legislative reporter, education writer, copy editor, sports page designer, but mostly I've been the outdoor writer. How many years now have you been just focusing on the outdoors? Oh, since about 1980. Our beats, I think, kind of overlap a little bit with like the environmental stuff I do and then like a lot more of the outdoor recreational things you do. I feel like we end up talking to a lot of the same people and almost inevitably somebody says, oh, you should ask Al Thomas about this. He knows way more about it than I do. <laughs> well, I get to kind of cherry pick the fun stuff uh-huh. and then let you do the other. <laughs> How nice of you. So, um, yeah, just give these guys a rundown with what kind of things you're covering here and uh, what your workflow looks like, things like that. Well, the, the lion's share of my work is covering fish and wildlife and fishing and hunting issues. And <clears throat> when you're on a county that's surrounded by water on three sides, there's a lot. And the Columbia River is, you know, I've had opportunities to go to other newspapers, but I've always stayed here because... To be on the Columbia River for a fish rider is kind of like for an entertainer rider to be in Southern California or for a, a arts rider to be in New York. Yeah. And so there's just a lot of stuff that's constantly going on in the Columbia River, and it's just interesting. Well, part of the reason why I wanted to talk to you is I think you are way more active than um, I think probably the majority of the people in this newsroom, um, which probably even the majority of people in Clark County. And you're a guy who um, we thought would know some good places to go recreate and hang out and play outside. Um, yeah, being just as active as you are and a guy who literally writes about playing in the outdoors for a living, we thought, who better to ask than Mr. Al Thomas? Well, <clears throat> winter recreation is pretty important to my family. My wife's a season ticket holder at Mount Hood Meadows and, and, and still skis, you know, black runs all the time. Mm-hmm. We've got a timeshare down in, uh, in Sun River, so we go down to Mount Bachelor a lot. Nice. And um, But in southwest Washington, within a couple hours of Clark County, there are three really good, you know, recreation opportunities. The closest one to Clark County is on the south side of Mount St. Helens, and there's two snow parks up there. They're, they're called Cougar Snow Park and Marble Mountain Snow Park. Mm. And it takes, from my house in Hawkinson, it takes about 50 minutes, so it's probably an hour and a quarter from, from the main part of Vancouver. And at the Cougar Snow Park, <clears throat> you can get... 25 cars or so in there. It's mostly used by snowmobilers. Mm. And it there's a, what they call the West Fork Snowmobile Trail that connects it to Marble Mountain, which is the other snow park in that general area. So if you go to Cougar, you know, if you're like a non-motorized person, the, the, the best thing to do is, is you can ski up what they call road number 81. Mm. It's about a three-mile ski up to what you call Red Rock Pass. And that's the pass between the Kalama and the Lewis River. Gotcha. And you get a real nice, good view of the mountain there. It takes about 90 minutes to ski up that road, and it takes about 30 minutes to ski back down it. Wow. And it's just a great ski to come down because it's steep enough that you keep going all the time, and you got a pretty good speed, but not so fast that you think you're going to fall down or bust something up. So it's just about the right grade, unless it's icy. Yeah. And then if it's icy, it's it's hard going up and, and too fast coming down. Yeah, probably a 15-minute ride going down. And, and, and there's also a Kalamazoo ski trail right there, but it's really more of a snowshoe route than a ski trail. Mm. The, the turns are too tight. It's too lumpy. It's just not good Nordic ski terrain. Mm-hmm. 
Then another four or five miles past that is the Marble Mountain Snow Park. And that's, it's a big, it's actually two parking lots there. One that's used primarily by the snowmobilers. And then there's also an overflow lot there where they're not allowed to park so that there's always parking for non-motorized folks too. And uh, there used to be a warming hut there, but it burned down four or five years ago. Wow. And uh, the snowmobilers start from there, and they ride out what they call Road 83 out to the Lahar. And the Lahar is a is a geologic word for basically a, a big mud flow that comes down off a mountain. But the Lahar there has got a capital L, and it's an, <laughs> it's it's where there was one of those from 1980. It's the Lahar. Yeah, it's the Lahar. <laughs> yeah. And, and so you can go out, and they can ride their machines on that, you know, big snow-covered flat. And then they also ride up through a, a little pass and go up to the Plains of Abraham, which is another big flat on the east side of, uh, southeast side of, of Mount St. Helens. And so there's also some some cross country ski trail or some yeah there's some cross country ski routes there, and there's some snowshoe trails there. Snowshoe trails you have to use during the main part of the season because they kind of go through some wet areas. So early in the year, late in the year, they're kind of soggy. They're soggy and, and they're and they're not that great. But I sometimes will go out and just ski up the 83 road for a workout and maybe ski up as fast as I can three and a half and back. You're going to have to live with the snowmobilers, but they're, for the most part, fairly courteous, and they don't, you know, they don't buzz past you too fast, and it's not that bad. And some, some non-motorized folks, just snowmobiles are an anathema to them, but right. it's all right. But there's a really good loop up there called the uh, Sasquatch Loop, and so that's about an, an eight-mile ski, and, you know, if you're a low-intermediate, it's easy enough to do. So, for... You've said the word uh, snow park a couple times, and just in case somebody listening to this has no idea what it is, could you tell them? Snow park in Washington is a winter recreation parking lot. You have to have a snow park permit to park there, and it's $20 a day or $40 a season. Gotcha. And and you have it, and you put it in the on the driver's side of your windshield, and that pays for the, the plowing and the snow removal. So, well... Is this something that a Discover Pass would cover as well? No, no it's completely separate. No, it's 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 different. It goes to, the money is you know just goes to state parks and it's just used for snow removal. Gotcha. So some of the grooming and most a lot of the snow re- removal is all paid for with that. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, one other thing that you told me about the other day, um, I think we were talking about biking when I first asked you if you'd come on and talk with us. And you said that there were some spots up in the gorge where they're all below 3,000 feet so they didn't get snow and you could still ride this time of year. Oh, yeah. The, the, uh, a really great mountain biking area is what's called Coyote Wall. Mm-hmm. And you go up just to the other side of, of Bingen White Salmon. And uh, it's a big south-facing slope there <clears throat> that's owned by the U.S. Forest Service as part of the Columbia Gorge Scenic Area. And it's just... It's just laced with trails. In fact, what the Forest Service is trying to do is there's such a, it looks like spaghetti on, on a map. There's so many trails that they're trying to shut down a lot of them and channelize the, the use into a few trails. And it's drier over there. Mm-hmm. And it's a south-facing aspect, so it gets sun in the winter, and it dry, and it's warmer, and it doesn't get as much snow. And it's just, it's, you know, talk to any bike shop people in Camas or Hood River or anything like that. Coyote Wall is a, a year-round destination. I just, even though I've lived out in western Washington for a few years now, I still can't get over the fact that you can live in a place where you can drive for an hour and a half, two hours, and go do some skiing, downhill skiing or cross-country skiing, or drive an hour in the other direction, and you could still ride your mountain bike. 
I just love that. Yeah, yeah, that's <clears throat> that's that's one of the reasons I've stayed my whole career here. Is there's, you know, I also like to fish and hunt. I've had days where I've salmon fished one day and, and hunted chuckers, which is a partridge that lives in the arid part of the state. The next day. Wow. So I have to confess, I I've never been skiing. I've never been snowshoeing. I've never been. Well, I didn't grow up in Spokane, but I lived in Spokane for a good part of my young adult life. So my family doesn't really like nature. I like nature more than the rest of my family. So <laughs> so what are some good, like for somebody like me who doesn't know about half of what you just said, doesn't understand about half of what you just said, what would you recommend is like a good, like entry level point for getting out and playing in the snow? If, 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 if you don't want, there's, there's also winter recreation areas up in Skamania County at the headwaters of the Wind River, and there's more up by Trout Lake, too. But if you don't want to drive too far, you know, I know you can rent snowshoes at Camas Bike and Sport. I don't know where else in Clark County or if there is another one. But you rent some snowshoes, you drive up to the Marble Mountain Snow Park, and you decide either to, to walk up the road or to walk up the trails that are, that are marked up there. If you want to begin cross-country skiing, I'd do the same thing. I'd go rent some, and I don't think you can rent them in Clark County, but you can rent them at the REI over in the Pearl. And rent some Nordic skis and just go to Marble Mountain and ski up that Road 83 until you want to turn around and come back. Yeah, because you said the grade is pretty. Is it, somebody up there that will teach me how to do it? My wife had that same question the first time. She just put them on, and you kind of move your feet, and it, it just comes to you. Gotcha. It's not really very technical. You just do it. Gotcha. And, and the thing about Marble Mountain is, you see, the snowmobilers, you share the road with them, so it's always packed down and groomed. And if you go out to a trail that's got four or five or six inches of new snow on it, it is really hard work to break trail. It's exhausting. So going somewhere where there's some, yeah, it's already been some people. Yeah, there's some places up by Trout Lake, the same thing, where you're sharing areas with snowmobilers. And so, one, you're not totally by yourself if something yeah. happens. And two, they've de facto groomed it for you. And I think I think there's, you know, Pacific Northwestern recreators, I think, are kind of a special breed of, like, gentle and kind that if I'm up there derping around on a pair of skis and someone sees me struggling, I feel like there'd be... There'd be a couple people that would look at me and go, oh, honey, let's <laughs> let's have a conversation about this. Cause <laughs> I think Al's totally right. I actually just started cross, my very first time out cross country skiing was on a date with a girl and I was totally trying to impress her and simultaneously not admit that I had no idea what I was doing. So now that I think about it, it was probably a pretty big risk. <laughs> but um, like he just said, it is as well. It seems the idea seems intimidating, as is true with so many more things, so many things in life. The reality is so much easier than the thought. So as soon as you strap them on, you just are kind of like, well, I got to start moving, and you just you just do. It's smooth. And cross country skiing isn't truly cross-country skiing you're mm -hmm. skiing on roads you're skiing on trails that have been manicured and widened out and and marked and the curves you know broadened and stuff so i mean there it's it's not like you just put on a pair of skis and start heading through the woods what other kind of recreational opportunities are out there for well, you know another place to bike that we missed is there's an old timber harvest road on the backside of yale reservoir oh. and pacific Corps, as part of their mitigation for the hydroelectric dams on the lewis are, are developing that into a trail oh. and they've already replaced the culverts it's already fine right now for a mountain biking trail i mean and do it in the fall that you got a lot of color debt for the leaves and you got all the creeks and stuff coming down off the hillside and it's a nice little ride now and they it'll it'll only get better over the years gotcha. so i don't know there's you know there's there's a, a lot of interest in snowmobiling 
mm-hmm. around here. And I'm not terribly versed on that. I mean, I talk to the guys when I'm out there, but I've only done it once or twice, and that was just for stories for the paper. Mm-hmm. You know, we also have enough, enough low elevation areas here that you can hike in the winter. I oh, mean, yeah. The, the, Cape, the Cape Horn Trail. Mm-hmm. Up there, you know, just east of Washuga a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's open all winter. It's below about 1,200 feet, and it's snow-free most of the year. Uh, gosh, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think. There's, there's, you know, oh, just the, the levee that's out at the Port of Camas, Washougal. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an, you're, you're walking along the Columbia River on one side and the National Wildlife Refuge on the other. Mm-hmm. It's a flat dike, flat, you know, you can go all the way out to the fish ladder on Gibbons Creek and back. And so, oh, that's another good one. There's a... Uh, there's a bicycle ride that goes from the little community of Mosier where they had the oil spill. Yeah. And it goes on the old scenic highway to, to Hood River and back. Mm-hmm. It goes through a pair of tunnels that are bored through the gorge that have these windows and everything. And the that, that Mosier Twin Tunnels ride, you know, it's it's five miles each way. Uh-huh. The most amazing thing of that is when you have a west wind, it will literally blow you back up the hill without having to pedal. <laughs> And That's I've done awesome. that about three times now to see that that wasn't a fluke. <laughs> it's it true. Re- yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, wow. it's cold if this time of year, uh-huh. but you can do, r- ride this time of year. But in the summer, you literally have to pedal against the wind to get down to the Hood River. <laughs> and you just start pedaling, and, and, and most of the way back up, it just pushes you. That's amazing. Yeah, it, it, you don't believe it huh. in, until you do it. Huh. Anything we weren't clever enough to ask you? Oh, no. The only other thing is that besides Mount St. Helens, mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of ski trails in what they call the old man pass area it's right at the headwaters of the wind river so oh, okay so you go up the, you go up to carson and then you just keep keep going up and uh and then the trout lake area has better snow and a whole they've got four snow parks in the trout lake area mm-hmm. that it's 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 your skis will perform better up there because it's drier snow it's colder uh, well, thanks a lot for all the tips and good advice, and I really hope people go take advantage of it and go out there and try it out. Okay, well, thank you. Hey, listeners. Today's podcast is brought to you with support from the Columbian Subscription Department. Just in time for the holidays, you can take advantage of some big savings. So for only $20 a month, you can give the gift of local news delivered every day. This, this offer is only available to customers that haven't had a subscription in the last 30 days. But if that's you or somebody you know, Call today and take advantage of this offer. Be sure to request the podcast special. The phone number is 360-694. All right. So we are sitting down with Ed Fisher, who is the owner of Camas Bike and Sport out here in Camas. So thanks for coming on the show, Ed. <laughs> Glad to be here. <laughs> um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about you know what you do here. Tell us a little bit about the store. How long have you been here? And what do you guys specialize in? Uh, well, we started in, uh, we opened up in 2009. Um, we are mostly mostly a uh, specialty bike shop. Um, we ca- carry uh, all brands. We try and support uh, just about every discipline of biking there is. There's a lot of different categories. So we're kind of a general purpose shop. We probably lean a little bit more mountain bike, um, but we try to um, appeal to all uh, categories and really big on trying to get people into the sport. So you guys rent snowshoes and stuff too, right? We do rent snowshoes. Um, we actually do. Uh, we did in the past rent uh, skis a, a little bit, but it, it never really took off. We do do ski and snowboard service, like like tunes and uh, waxes. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do do snowshoes, and and they go out uh, quite frequently in the winter. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's a good sport to uh, to get into. It's um, it's uh, the entry into it cost wise and skill wise is a lot lower than say skiing or snowboarding. Um, part of the reason. Why we wanted to talk to you is I I think that people 
might have this impression, especially if like they're new to the area, they might have this impression like, oh, I can go on a hike or I can go ride my bike in the summer when it's nice out. Uh, but as soon as it starts raining, that's it. We're indoors. Or we're just like in the gym. And my theory is, man, it doesn't have to be that way. You just have to adjust your scope and how you're getting out there. And so I wanted to ask, am I right? Or um, am I way off base? Oh, no, you're you're right. I'll admit I'm a Southern California native originally. Uh, I le actually, though, I, I, I grew some tougher skin weather wise, uh, got to experience real winters in uh, Tahoe. I lived in Tahoe, Reno for uh, about uh, eight years before uh, moving up here. Like Bill downstairs, one of our mechanics and some other people have told me that there's Really, no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing. Mm -hmm. So it has a lot to do with, you know, um, the gear. Um, it's it's really all about the gear. So if you want to go out in the elements, you know, you have to be geared properly. So right, yeah. I want to talk to you a little bit about the biking opportunities out here because we're still in this like rare area where you can still ride your bike. Uh, all year long in the lower elevations but then if you want to get up into the snow it's just up the road like maybe an hour or so and you were telling me earlier a little bit about fat tire bikes and the kind of opportunity those are opening up will you tell these guys a little bit about them yeah well um you know fat bikes are uh, were basically you know they were originally designed uh for the snow they've kind of taken off i'm sure most people have now at least seen one or two um, but it, it really took off uh, pretty good um, oh, about four or five years ago. We started renting them mm -hmm. and so forth. What's the difference between a fat bike and a regular bike? So a regular bike is uh, on a mountain bike is going to be anywhere from a, you know, a, a, a two inch to a, a 2.4 inch wide tire for a, a standard bike tire. And now a fat bike is going to go into double that to four uh, to five inch wide tire. And what that's going to do is give you better flotation um, and, uh, you know, better traction. So it's actually very good in snow. It's really fun to take down to the beach. You can ride right through the sand dunes if you set the tire pressure right. You can really, on the sand dunes, you will be, believe it or not, running four or five pounds of pressure. Yeah. So, um, and then on the snow, um, we don't, you know, it, it's kind of year by year over here. So we're going to bring in a couple. Last year, we didn't have any fat bikes uh, here. We weren't stocking them um, because of the mid-fat revolution. So um, now there's a three-inch wide tire, and it handles more like a regular mountain bike, but does give you some better flotation, um, some better sta stabilization, and uh, better traction. Um, but it's still not a fat bike. So if you're looking to purely go in the snow and sand, it it can't perform to the uh, to the level of a fat bike can. The other thing to note is, though, like say we were talking uh, when you first walked in about Lacamas Park as a potential riding area, which is right down the street from the shop. And we ride there quite a bit, but we're also very cognizant about we're stewards of the trail and we don't want to do a lot of damage to the trail. And right now they're very muddy, as you can imagine. Uh, one thing that is actually the fat bike can offer is less tread damage um, because it's a wider tire and it won't rut uh, the trail like a narrower tire can. If somebody wanted to go out and ride this time of year, what kind of clothing, what kind of layers are we talking about? Well, you're definitely looking high visit stuff, especially for um, uh, you know riding on the road or even like me transitioning from road to trail. I even like to be high vis when on the trail because I never know when there's going to be a hunter. Do they make like bike specific pants or jackets or things like that that kind of cater to maybe working up a sweat at the same time you're trying to stay warm? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it just depends on whether there's like basically like commuter style mm -hmm. uh, clothing that'll be a little bit looser, looser fit, um, so that you can have under layers and stuff like that. Or there's going to be um, kind of more of a tighter fit um, um, for uh, being like say a primarily a road or or a, you know full out cross country or maybe a, even a race. Where around here, if you want to ride, if want to try a fat bike on snow, where can you ride them around Clark County or even nearby Clark County? Yeah, um, so uh, the Yakult Burn area up here. You mentioned you know that's where. Um, you know, Cold Creek and the Tarbell Trail are. So the Yakult Burn, there's some areas there. I think probably the best place is a little bit farther drive is called Old Man Pass. Mm. Um, and uh, that's that's up behind Carson. Um, but there's some, there's actually sometimes uh, at some point they start grooming stuff out there and there's good sledding and uh, snowshoeing. So if you wanted to kind of go take and bring like, a, you know, your arsenal of, of uh, you know, of winter toys out there, that's, that's a good location to go. Of course, Mount Hood has all kinds of resources. Uh, June Lake is probably one of the favorites. You had mentioned earlier uh, that you guys are doing a lot to try to promote the sport and get people who are new to it involved. Um, in case you guys can tell from my questions, I'm pretty I'm pretty new to, to getting outside and playing in this kind of weather. Mm -hmm. what, what's what are some of the things that you guys are doing to um, to encourage more people to try mountain biking or you know whatever, getting outside and playing? Yeah, well, you know, obviously now social media makes that a nice uh, tool, so you know we can you know, broadcast some, maybe some rides on Facebook, uh, a couple times a year, we'll offer skills clinics. Um, my big thing is on youth. Um, I really want to get kids out. Um, we're helping build a, a bike park in Washougal, the Washougal bike park. It's on a city existing city park. It's going to be, it's the first type facility, um, in the County and we've got a first phase in, we're working to get the rest of it done next year, but getting kids out is big. Um, I've, we've, um, I've operated, uh, we've basically fostered a, um, a student mountain biking team out of our, our shop here for five years now. Uh, it was just high school and now it's expanded to middle school. Yeah, so, and then just for new people, you know, like I said, well, we can always ask or offer people to go out and uh, people just ask. We usually either, if we're not available, we kind of got some like, you know, some ambassador riders or whatever there are some, you know, some regulars of the shop or guys on our shop team that can go out and show somebody around, give them a little tour or whatever. And then um, same with the snowshoeing. In fact, uh, there's a, there's a guy who's doing some fitness workouts called uh, Spear Strong. They do some expeditions where they take people out. And then there's like the Mount St. Helens Institute. Um, uh, they, they do a bunch of guided, uh, group, uh, uh, snowshoe tours as well. So yeah, I'm glad you brought up snowshoeing. Cause that was actually the next thing I wanted to ask you about. Um, for somebody that's never gone, but is interested in getting into snowshoeing, how challenging of a sport is it? You know, not really much. It's a, a really a matter of, you know, if you go out, um, on a, on a, uh, go out when there's not too much snow depth. You don't want to go out where there's two or three feet worth of fresh powder. If you get that, um, go out on something maybe a little bit more packed. Um, the more, the more powder there is and the wetter the powder is, the more resistance you're going to have, obviously, and you're going to tire faster, but it's really not much harder than just regular walking. I mean, you got to change your stance a little bit 
and uh, it's it's more of a workout. So to walk one mile on snowshoes is probably three or four times um, the effort as it is just rocking up by regular foot. Um, but it, again, it allows we, us to go to some of these places that are going to be just beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's uh, a whole this, different place in the wintertime. It, it totally is. And you're going to see some things that you would normally not see, wildlife, everything like that. But uh, it, the entry in, and then it's inexpensive. Um, so whether it's renting them or buying them, you don't need a ton of equipment. Um, most of the um, apparel that you will use can cross over, um, you know, to skiing or some other winter activities. So how much does it cost to rent a pair of snowshoes? Uh, we sell or we rent uh, the snowshoes uh, for $15 a day and then $8 for additional days. Do you guys demo those like fat tire bikes we were talking about? I'm going to have two. Yeah, I think I'm going to bring in two. And right now I have mid fats. So oh, I do cool. have mid fat. Cool. Well, I think we should probably wrap it up. Thanks a lot for talking with us about this stuff. Hopefully people take a uh, take some of this advice and get out and go explore. Yeah. What we like to say is log off and ride. All right. That's another episode of Clark Talks. Yeah. So hopefully you'll know a little bit more about how to get outside and play. I know I learned a lot doing this podcast. So yeah, me too. I, I got to say, I mean, I like to ride my bike just period. But after uh, talking about fat tire, the bikes, fat tire the bikes. Fat bikes yeah after hearing about those things and seeing just how big the tires were man i really want to go take one out on like a cross-country trail what yeah, would it be like to play. ride a bike in snow and like yeah. be able to ride through it something yeah awesome. i was i was thinking i was more struck by the idea of going out like to the beach or something and riding one of those around in the dunes yeah. i think that would be that would be awesome yep i mean a four inch wide tire i wish that you guys could have seen it because yeah because i don't think that that doesn't sound like a lot but no. i mean they're huge they're humongous i mean the closest thing i could think of is like i mean they're like an inner tube but anyway um yeah check those out if you guys are feeling amb ambitious and rambunctious all right. So next week we are still kind of in the works of uh, getting that episode put together, but we think it's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah, so, really awesome. But we don't want to say anything yet. Yeah, because we are waiting on some confirmation. So uh, yeah. So thanks for listening to another episode of Clark Talks. Don't forget you can subscribe on podcast. You can also find us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, on the Colombians website, the front page of our website every Thursday. iTunes. iTunes. Yeah. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. Tell everybody. Just, just subscribe because then you don't even have to think about it it'll just oh. pop up on your phone so and by the way um if you guys want to tell us how we did uh good or bad just reach out to us and let us know email us at podcast at columbian.com